it's Hillary Crowley and welcome to the Good Energy Healing Show. I am back. I am talking about energy healing. I've given myself this huge challenge and the challenge is to ask a question, which is what is energy healing? And the funny thing is, is that um, I thought I answered this question by writing a book called The Power of Energy Medicine only to find out that as I go out into the world, I go out into the public, I get phone calls, I speak to private clients, I speak to news organizations, everyone's asking me the same question. So Hillary, can you summarize what energy healing is, what energy medicine is, the medicine of energy? And yeah, I'm going to keep rising to the challenge um, to make it uh, a conversation we can easily have and engage with without diminishing the power of energy is medicine. Energy is good medicine. Um, so I took a long walk today in preparation for today's um, episode. And I realized that the challenge is the is in the explaining. Uh, the challenge is taking something that is ineffable beyond words and bringing it into words. And I have found... Um, just with my life experience that as beautiful as words are, and I know I've said many times that I love words. I love writing. I love lyrics. I love words. I also think that words are lower frequency than energy. And so much can be diminished when we try to put something into words. However, here I am producing and hosting a podcast and saying that's not that's not an excuse i still need to find a way to bring words into the idea of answering the question of what is energy healing and i decided to partner with none other than claude monet claude monet is the impressionistic artist out of france who painted from um, the late 18 in the late 1800s. And there's actually one series in particular that I'm most interested in. Uh, Claude Monet did a series of paintings of the Rouen cathedral from Rouen, France. He did this series from 1892 and to 1894. And with some easy research, I was able to discover that he loved the facade of this beautiful cathedral um, this cathedral um, was built up and, and broken down and built up and broken down. And even since he did this painting there, it was bombed in the 1900s. And then it was built up again. Um, it's the story of an iconic center in a community. It's a story of maybe the strength and power and too much power of a, of a, um, a a religion that built the cathedral. It's a story of a town. Um, this building, this piece of architecture is a living monument to time and space itself called the Rouen Cathedral. However, back in 1892, Claude Monet rented a room that looked out over the facade of the cathedral because he wanted to do a study of light. And so if you ever want to see a depiction of energy without being able to put it into the words, I invite you to look at what Claude Monet did with light 
and with this cathedral because that difference that we see in every painting is one of the most beautiful ways I can imagine to describe how energy changes through artwork, through the arts. Um, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't have really thought about this except for back in the 1990s, a hundred years after he did this painting, I worked on a play by Jane Anderson, a great writer. She also wrote uh, the script for how to make an American quilt, which was a movie with Renona, Winona Ryder. I'll say that 10 times fast. I almost said Renona wider, Winona Ryder. And, um, so how to make an American quilt. It's an interesting piece. I should probably watch it again. I remember that one of the more interesting parts of that movie was that she needed to answer some big questions. I think it was a question of her heart. I think it involved a love of her life. And she followed the birds. There were uh, uh, crows. I guess you'd call them actually a murder of crows. Did you know that when crows are together, they're considered a murder, a murder of crows. And the crows would land and kind of lead uh, Winona Ryder's character on a journey. So that being said, um, Jane Anderson, I really like her also worked with her personally. And she wrote this beautiful play about, um, uh, the, um, challenger explosion of the space shuttle. Um, but she did it through an incredibly poetic and heart centered way. And it took place through the eyes of Christy McAuliffe's five-year-old child. It was just a gorgeous piece. It really was. I, I don't know why it didn't make it to Broadway, but um, look it up. Um, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to to revisit that script. Somebody out there, some producer out there. It's called Defying Gravity, um, written way before that famous song from Wicked came into being, which is also an awesome song, I just have to say. So Defying Gravity by Jane Anderson. There's an opening monologue where... Claude Monet, the character, comes out and speaks to the audience and describes this painting that he did, this series of paintings that he did. And he just described the beauty of life. And uh, it was just a lovely way to introduce the audience to what would essentially be a tragedy. I mean, we knew it was a tragedy. It's a lot like watching the movie Titanic. Um, but what wasn't tragic was to see how innovation and love and creativity prevails. And all of this was written in the spirit of um, how does a mother's love reach back through time and tragedy to help her daughter. So Defying Gravity. It also had a, a piece about Cirque du Soleil. So between Claude Monet and Cirque du Soleil, um, Jane Anderson did a fabulous job depicting what energy is beyond words, right? Energy beyond words. So welcome to the Get Energy Healing Show. Um, today, I want to talk about how we can understand energy healing, how we can get beyond words, and how we can also embrace language and this discussion and this conversation about building us up to a place where the energy of something is healthier 
that the energy of our bodies can be acknowledged. So on my walk today, it occurred to me that really the only way to describe energy um, is to go beyond words. And the forces that are best at that are the forces of what we as humans would consider nature, (laughs) as if we're separate from that. So maybe we go into our own true nature as well, beyond the talking and the chatting and the analyzing and the overanalyzing. I was asked recently for our radio show if I could describe energy healing. And I said, um, I can describe what it's not. (laughs) It's not a diagnosis. It's not something we analyze. It's not a formula. It's this idea that we have this amazing force in our life um, that's called life force and it's energy. There's a part in my book where um, I help a friend after her mother has recently died. And by recently, I mean within minutes. And I arrive at the house. And for some reason, I didn't want to go to the bedside because I didn't want to be with um, this beautiful woman's body without a life in it. It scared me. Um, She was not there anymore. And what does it mean to not be there anymore? It means that your energy is gone. It just, it truly means that your energy is gone. It's there and it's not. And somewhere in that chapter, I found myself writing, there's no better evidence of life force energy than to be with somebody in the moment after their passing. And you can see that the life force energy has left. Let's rewind this to the life force energy hasn't left all of us. We're still alive. And what is it that drives us, that makes us whole, that makes us us? That's not separate from a diagnosis. That's not separate from an attitude or a mood. What it is, is something beyond it, beyond a category. It's this overriding sense that we are alive with life, force, energy. So let's just take a deep breath and see if there's a way that we can take this in for a minute. Slow down. I'm not making a case for energy healing. I don't need anybody to believe in it. I I think it's beyond belief. It doesn't need to be believed in. It's just is. I also think that one of the biggest problems about talking about energy is that if somebody tries to talk about it, me included, being an author now and being asked to talk about it, I think there's an element of that steals the sacredness from each of us. There's an intimacy, a knowing, a quiet knowing that we know what energy is. We know what life force energy is. And there's that quiet knowing that does not need to be stolen away. And so sometimes I think in a form of defense, we make it more complicated than it has to be. Um, For instance, think about sitting in a doctor's office and maybe you have a pain in your body and you're really afraid of what it's going to be and you're about to find out the test results. I want you to remember in that moment 
that not only do you have life force energy, but the person that's about to give you the test results has life force energy as well. And your energies are about to interact. And those energies are about to interact with aspects of yourself, like your ego, your analytical mind. And it's all about to mix together like a big bowl of ingredients. And if we're not aware of what all the ingredients are, we might find ourselves missing the biggest part of this all, missing the part that we can't quite articulate, but we can certainly touch and express on. So my favorite place to go is to nature, to understand energy. Um, It's not a cliche. Um, What's more of a cliche is that we think that because we're inside some walls or in an apartment building or in a basement somewhere, that we're not in nature. (laughs) Um, So really, I guess it probably seems like a cliche because it means being outdoors, right? But the closer you can get to elements of nature, um, the closer you get to the true nature of you. And the true nature of you is, is your true energy. Try to go out to nature. Try. Try to be there alone. Um, I think you need about five seconds, 15 seconds, and just be observant. One, two, three, four, five. It's a lot of time. Look around. Listen to what you hear. See how you feel. Get out of your head and clear the slate. Clear the slate. I was thinking about intuition when I was thinking about energy too. Intuition overrides the language part of who we are and overrides a need to discuss or explain or understand. And uh, I really think that intuition connects to our true nature. And it's as if we're listening with our heart when we want to understand how to be healthier. I did want to talk about energy healing, not just energy, but energy healing. So energy as a healing force, energy as a good medicine in our life. Some of the ways that we can understand how energy speaks to us is through images, whether they're in front of us in a dream type of sequence, or they come to us as a thought, but not quite a thought. It kind of feels like a remembering that you didn't generate yourself. It's my best way of describing intuition today. Actually, I think the best way to describe it is um, how I already described it, which is it feels like an aha and sounds like an aha and feels like a remembering. So sounds like an aha and feels like a remembering. And there you go. You start to connect with this bigger swath of information flowing around us. What's that? I don't know. That's energy. Whoa. You mean there's something out there that's like smarter than me, that's deeper than me, that's more intelligent, that's more infinite, that actually is intelligent, that has a has a consciousness? Uh, yep. Yeah, because you have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and there's a consciousness that has a much bigger beginning, middle, and end. Just a fact. Just a fact. It's just a fact. And if you ever want to um, kind of touch into sanity, um, feeling that you're 
sort of massaging your own mental well-being, um, try to remember that. Try to remember that there's a consciousness bigger than you, that you're not the biggest consciousness in the room. You're not the biggest consciousness in your life. Try to remember that there's a bigger, bigger consciousness that will come in really, really handy when you're learning, when you're teaching, when you're grieving, when you're exploring, when you're celebrating. Energy. Energy. Yeah. Hard to describe. Doesn't want to be described. There's a lot of good stuff happening in science. And I was talking to a colleague the other day, um, and they're getting really close to being able to measure energy, um, like the biofield. And as a practitioner who's been doing this for 20 years, I have kind of like a hesitation about that because the more we measure, the more we analyze and the more we analyze, it might just slip through our fingers. Um, I have a fun story. I'm free to tell. I hope it's my brother. Um, we went to high school together. We were a couple of years apart, three grades, two or three grades apart. And um, so when I got to English class, uh, my brother's reputation preceded him. He's a very, very good writer. And our kind of, I don't know, he's a bit of a curmudgeon type of English teacher. Uh, he didn't, let's just say he didn't, he didn't dish out compliments very often. And he was, he's a little bit like, lovable cranky if you know that kind of character he was sort of a lovable cranky english teacher uh who kept a little spark you know hidden deep down in his eyes um but in the meantime you would never you know run up to him and give him a hug or anything so this particular teacher was talking about my brother um with a little bit of a twinkle in his eye and he said uh one of the best quotes he's ever heard from a student was talking about analyzing a book. So there's some great books out there. Um, some of my favorite books I was reading at that time was Steinbeck. I'm going to think about of mice and men right now. And, you know, you can read of mice and men in one sitting and it's this beautiful story that has layers and layers and layers of meaning to it. Um, just beautiful and difficult and tragic um, and iconic, easy to analyze in a classroom. But my brother said in the middle of a discussion of a Steinbeck novel, he said, I, you know, I got to tell you, I love reading, but it's a bit like dissecting a frog. Reading is like dissecting a frog. That makes sense. You're reading, you're analyzing, um, you know, you, you, I guess what I should say, he, he loved reading, but reading for class was like just dissecting a frog and said, why so is it because, you know, we have to uh, analyze it. We have to go to write about it and break it down and chapter analysis. And, and he said, okay, well, yeah, you're right. That's a good word. Dissecting. We're dissecting the book. And, um, my brother said, yes, but there's a similarity there. And the teacher said, how so? And he said, well, in both cases, the frog dies. Yeah. Right. I love that. I was really proud of him. Even as his little sister, I was like, ah, he just made a really good point. So I actually wanted that to be the opening chapter in my book. 
when I was writing the book because I wanted to say, you know, I want to, I want to write this book and I don't want to kill the frog. Uh, one of my editors said, eh, don't open the book with that. Just, just keep that under your hat. And so I wrote a book and I know I didn't kill the frog. I know I didn't. I um, kept the frog alive um, as I should, you know, in the energy healing world. But we want to be able to talk about energy healing without dissecting the sacredness, the heartbeat, what that keeps us alive. And here's the trick, everybody. In this world where everyone's supposed to be an expert in their own field, the the the, the true... The true story here is that the word is the knowing, K-N-O-W, know. It's beyond believing. It's this deep knowing that you know you're alive and you know that you have aspects of your life that you can touch and you can feel the energy. You can, you can listen. You can smell you can dream, you can imagine, and you can feel the energy. A wonderful way to exercise that is to listen to music. There is music that will make you feel like you're an entirely different person than if you listen to another piece of music. You can feel that swing and that season inside your soul. On my walk today, there's a mood out here. It's the, it's, it's, it's like, it's uncanny. And the, the only way it's uncanny is between me, myself, and I. It, it was like overcast and a little above freezing and oh, kind of misty, but not and quiet. And yet there was a bustle. And it was what, you know, a winter afternoon looks like when the freeze breaks only for a few hours. It's going to freeze again. There's a little bit of a danger in the air, but also a little bit of hope. And I could, I could smell spring and the birds were speaking in a way that said, here we are, here we are, you know, like it was taunting us almost to say like, look at you all coming outside. We're outside the whole time. Again, hopeful and yet a little dangerous at the same time because cold can kill, um, it was, I couldn't get enough of it. It was, it was melancholy. It was peaceful. Um, it was inspiring and it was quiet. It was quiet. That was a certain energy there. I did it. I just tried to put words to something that was ineffable beyond words. Um, that was my walk. That was my relationship with my day and my nature. And let's add one more thing in time time. I'm a different person than I was yesterday. I'm a different person tomorrow. I'm a different person than I was a couple of hours ago. And so we have nature and time and season and light and artistry and creation. And most importantly, you, not me, you, your energy is different. And that's well known. So often we dismiss that part, but that's well known among uh, doctors and practitioners. You're different than the last person who was sitting on that exam table. You are the change. You are the one that brings your energy into that space. In a sense of wellness, well-being, crisis, tragedy, 
disease, healing, your energy, your energy is not to be dismissed. And nobody can do it for you. Nobody. We can love you. We can encourage this for you, but nobody can do it for you. So as you find yourself reaching to answer a question, which is what is energy healing, which we're going to be hearing more and more and more about. Um, You're going to see more books being written about it. You're going to hear more language about intuition and energy, not just on this podcast, but out in the world, it's going to come, it's coming into the mainstream. And as you find yourself walking towards that, remember as much as you can to the best of your abilities that as you are trying to understand what energy healing is, just know that your frontier who wrote a book called the power of energy medicine is also trying to do the same. And I wish you all well on your journey and take a little time, do your homework and look up Claude Monet and look up cathedral and look at how he painted with such detail um, what the cathedral looks like in the morning light on a foggy day, sunset. He gave them names and it was a lot of different ones. I mean, he did a lot in the series. It went on for two years um, and he was completely dedicated to it. So have that understanding that energy runs through the heart and the hands. And um, maybe Claude Monet will come back and talk to you too. Um, I'm Hillary Crowley. Thank you for listening. This is the Good Energy Healing Show. Um, what is energy healing? Trick question, because only you know, because you are the energy and no one else, no one else can be your energy. Nobody. Isn't that cool? Thank you for listening. Please remember to um, subscribe, to hit the stars if you if you want to and you need to. Most importantly, please share um, these conversations with other people. I love, love getting it out there to the world. And um, I really, really enjoyed the challenge I gave myself, which is what is energy healing? And I think I got the answer. Only you know. <laughs> so have a beautiful day. And thanks again for listening. I'm Hillary Crowley and take care.